Welcome to Dairy Stream, brought to you by the Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative, sister organizations that fight for sensible dairy policy in Wisconsin and Washington, D.C. Dairy Stream focuses on issues affecting the dairy community and our customers. Hi, I'm your host, Mike Austin. Milk pricing reform priorities. That's just one of the things we'll be talking about today on today's version of Dairy Stream. Well, scrutiny of the national milk pricing system has been going on for decades, but really it started to gain some real momentum when we had the pandemic hit. Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative recently released its priorities for reform and Certainly, this is a big step, and we want a lot more clarification and understanding to you, the producer and the processor, because we know there's a lot of work ahead of us. To help us out today is Mitch Davis. He's a dairy farmer and managing partner of Davis Family Dairies in LeSure, Minnesota, and a member of the Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative's Board of Directors, and he actually served on a multi-state task force about milk pricing reform. With us is Dr. Marin Bozik. He's the nationally recognized dairy economist who serves as an advisor to Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative. And I guess, Dr. Bozik, my first question is, can you kind of briefly set the stage for us? Why is milk pricing reform such a high-profile topic now? Thank you, Mike. Milk is as perishable today as it was 60, 70, or 100 years ago when we had first federal regulation of milk pricing. Last few years, we have seen some aberrations in milk pricing patterns, and we need to set the stage for success of both dairy processors and dairy farmers for the next 10, 15 years, a, a period in which exports are going to be tremendously important, a period in which fluid milk sales are going to continue to decline, unfortunately, and a period in which we're going to see more milk going to manufacturing dairy plants. So many groups have come forward with their ideas of how do we take our sector in that direction, in direction of success for dairy producers and dairy processors. There are a lot of good ideas out there. We believe that uh, Edge has the ideas that are most forward-looking, most future-oriented rather than past and and uh, some sort of like inertia motion. Also with us is Mitch Davis. And Mitch, I've you know looked over the proposal. I heard uh, what you shared uh, during your press conference, and it seems that it's very thorough and thoughtful as far as the proposal is. So can you give us a little background here? You know, how did this all come about and who actually was involved? Well, it came about because of the magnification of the weaknesses in the federal order system that occurred in particularly summer of 2020 with negative PPDs. And that brought attention to the order structure and then other aspects of the order. So that really opened people's eyes to the magnitude of the issues. And the people that were involved, we had we started out with a task force, which included representatives of EDGE and uh, four states in the Midwest and dairy stakeholders. And from there, we proceeded to engage a little bit with Wisconsin Cheesemakers Association and then other national trade associations. So we, we have dipped our toe in the water with several stakeholder groups, mostly in the Midwest, but also national in, uh, in form. So I think we've... We've got a good start on this, but it's going to take a lot more work and a lot more dialogue. And that's a very good point. It is going to take a lot more dialogue and obviously a lot more consensus. But as you said, you're just putting the building blocks together. The proposal certainly does appear, Mitch, to be very thorough and thoughtful. So when we talk about this, the priorities that shape it, flexibility and fairness seem to be 
two of the keys. How does that really, you know, speak to what you're trying to accomplish, especially in relationship to the producer and the processor relationship? Well, the producer and processor need each other. It's a synergistic relationship. And both parties are going to have to have dialogue to understand challenges and concerns of the other party as it relates to the area of the milk sale transaction and the federal order part in that. And so I think there's going to have to be a lot of teamwork, a lot of discussion, a lot of empathy. And I would term what we're after fair is a hard word, more subjective, but I would say equitable and functional as well as fair for both parties. It doesn't help the processor to have unsuccessful producers and unprofitable producers, and it doesn't help a producer to have a processor who is unprofitable or unsuccessful. So I think there's plenty of motivation for both parties to proceed with good quality, sincere discussions and candid discussions to get to something that can be made more functional for both parties. And Dr. Boza, you know, where this stands now, again, in the creation of a plan that you hope is going to be a positive for both farmer and processor, again, where do you get that equitable aspect? What, what needs to be initiated for that to be equitable for both parties? So we have the part that's specific to federal milk marketing orders and then the part that we should have in place whether the federal orders are with us or not. Within the federal milk marketing orders, there is still a need to uh, put a check on market power of buyers, particularly of perishable dairy products, fluid milk. Um, and that's why federal orders still serve an important role in our dairy sector. Also, uh, dairy, uh, federal milk marketing orders are very important for price discovery, even if a farmer is not exactly paid on a class three basis, having that class three milk price, class four milk price, protein price, butter fat, uh, other solids, that's very helpful because it sends a benchmark against which everybody measure what their basis is, what, how what their processor pays versus others, et cetera. So federal orders definitely have a role to play and will we'll we'll continue to have a role to play in our system. Um, however, we just need to recognize that the market situation that we had 30, 40 years ago, even 25 years ago, when we had the last major reform, we're just not there anymore. So if, if the federal orders are to remain uh, relevant in all parts of the country, then they also need to adjust to specific circumstances of that milk shed. And those circumstances are different in the Southeast versus Upper Midwest versus Pacific Northwest. We should go back to the core principles of federal orders. The core principles are that a, that a fluid milk bottler should not be able to pitch one dairy farmer versus another. That's the mandatory pooling of fluid processors. And then the second part there is that the, all dairy farmers in a geography should benefit from sales of fluid milk products. And that's the part that is currently implemented as a uniform price. However, it doesn't work anymore, uh, at, at least not in the upper Midwest and a few other regions. It doesn't work anymore. Why? Because we have so much money, milk that goes to cheese, to butter, to powder, and not a lot that goes to fluid milk. So that's where the flexibility comes in. How do we update the federal orders? How do we tweak the rules such that the farmers can be have a meaningful and effective risk management strategy so they're not blindsided by a $4 negative PPDs like they were in 2020, in some areas much worse still. So that's the flexibility part. The, the fairness part, the fairness in contracting is recognition that um, 
the relationship between a producer and a processor is getting more textured. It's getting more complex in a sense that it's not just about you know, you 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 ship me milk, I pay you for milk, we're done. You know, the farm practices matter. Buyers need to are asking more and more about sustainability and how what a farmer does contributes to the climate change, for example, goals, net zero is being mentioned for 2050, etc. And mm-hmm. a producer also needs to know that they're, they're being treated fairly and, and whether the processor is pooled or depooled, whether the processor is in an area where fertilizers matter a lot or areas where they are not in existence anymore, whether their processor is owned by dairy producers or it's a private processor. So the fairness covers all of those situations, just a set of common sense principles that are designed to strengthen the trust between producers and processors. And just to make this clear, although you mentioned it several times, in this current proposal or some of the things that are coming together, you're not calling for the elimination of the federal order system. You're just talking about a tweaking of it? Uh, on the contrary, we believe that our proposal is probably the only one that can give a new lease on life to federal orders in areas such as Upper Midwest, perhaps Pacific Northwest, and maybe 10 years from now, also Mideast and Central orders without a proposal such as ours, we either risk losing federal orders, such as happened to the Western order some 18 years ago, right. um, or they will become some shriveled down, irrelevant version of, of their past selves where they will continue to exist, but more and more milk will just not be a part of it. We are spending time with Mitch Davis, dairy farmer and managing partner of Davis Family Dairies and also a member of Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative's board of directors who was on a multi-state task force looking at milk pricing reform. And the other voice you just heard was uh, Dr. Marin Bozik. He is certainly nationally recognized as a dairy economist who also serves as an advisor to the Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative. We're talking about milk pricing reform priorities during this segment. We're going to get into uh, contracting principles after our break. But uh, back to you, Dr. Bozik. Uh, a lot of talk from a variety of dairy groups when they talk about milk pricing reform usually involves, you know, the issues on class one mover and make allowance. Can you share how EDGE's priorities really address those two issues? Well, I can use a metaphor. So you need to change oil every five to 7,000 miles, but then also every 100,000 miles, you need to change the timing belt. And most of the other groups are saying, well, we need to change the oil. And what we're saying, yes, you know, like you're right about the oil, but what about the timing belt? The time has come to look into how do we make this car take another 150,000 miles and just changing the oil won't get us there. So make allowances is a meaningful topic. It's a complex topic. It's not a slam dunk. Um, and and uh, there are some important considerations uh, about that topic. For example, should farmers uh, be given an individual ballot or will they be forced to accept the vote of their cooperative even if they disagree with their cooperative? Uh, should make allowances be considered individually or should they be part of a broader update and reform package that would include fairness in contracting uh, and enabling more flexibility, um, or should that be done in two stages? What other elements of the federal orders we should we should tweak? Our butterfat test has increased over the last 25 years. Protein test is much higher than when we had the last major federal order reform. So it's not a simple issue. If we were but it, but it can be simplified in this way. If we only change make allowances the way some of the groups would likely want us to, we would see the class three price drop by almost a dollar per hundredweight. That's a lot of money. 
Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and for dairy farmers to accept such a change, they need to know that that it really is necessary and it's the best possible reform package. And clearly, as a standalone issue, it's not a package at all. It needs to be part of a broader, deliberate change to give a new lease on life on federal orders and ensure fairness in contracting between producers and processors for the next decade. Well, before we take our break, then, I want to turn back to you, Mitch, because, I mean, you did serve on that multi-state task force. Uh, Dr. Bozik did kind of give us a good explanation on and kind of a picture of what is going on, where we stand. But what I'm sure during this multi-state task force, you did discuss some priorities, some ideas. I mean, what are some of those to address the points or to achieve the goals that Dr. Bozik mentioned? Well, I mean, it centers around formalizing contracts, making a transactional structure for the sale of milk off the farm that can work within a federal order and can work outside a federal order if that were to come about. And we looked at, you know, formalizing contractual payment terms, these kind of things, which I think we're going to cover in the next section. Okay, and that's good. And I'm glad to see that we're trying to paint a little more of a concrete picture for our listeners so they kind of know what are the building blocks that we're looking at. And they're going to be discussed, obviously, by other dairy organizations as well as we build toward this reform and change. Interesting first half of our dairy stream today. We thank you for listening to the podcast. We'll continue in just a moment. And we'll be right back with our Dairy Stream podcast after we hear from our sponsor. Because of the cyclical and sometimes volatile nature of the dairy industry, it is critical for producers and agribusinesses to have a reliable financial partner they can rely on through unpredictable business cycles. Our agriculture specialists at BMO Harris Bank are well-versed in all facets of the food continuum. From inputs through retail and distribution, they are ready to provide the financial solutions that will allow you to improve your cash flow management, minimize your risk, and capitalize on growth opportunities. To learn more about how we can help, visit bmoharris.com backslash agriculture. Well, today's dairy stream is brought to you by the Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative. And today, my guests are Dr. Marin Bozik. He, of course, the nationally recognized dairy economist who serves as an advisor for the Edge Dairy Farmer Board and uh, does an excellent job of that and well-respected across the country. And also Mitch Davis, who actually is in both sides of today's discussion as he's been involved both as a someone in the processing business and in the production business. He's the managing partner of Davis Family Dairies in Lesur, Minnesota, and a member of the Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative Board of Directors, who served on a multi-state task force about today's topic here on Dairy Stream, and that's milk pricing reform. During our first segment, we did talk about milk pricing reform priorities, and now we're going to talk a little bit more about something Mitch brought up right before we took our break, and that is contracting principles. So, Mitch, I'm going to go back to you to help us take a deeper dive into the fairness piece. Uh, Can you break down the contracting principles that EDGE is actually proposing? Yes. uh, We have 10 contracting proposals, which can be found in detail within our white paper that's out there in the public forum. We we broke it down into three main areas, the first being basic contractual expectations, the second being competition, and the third being equity. And I'll just touch on a few concepts under each. So under basic contractual expectations, we believe in written contracts so that both parties clearly understand the structure of the transaction and the relationship. We believe in timely payments, which are not necessarily assured outside of the federal order system. And we want to sort of reinforce the 
the industry's practices around timely payments. The verification, again, of weights, tests, and samples wouldn't necessarily be addressed outside an order system. Uh, and contract termination notice, when the parties choose to separate, both based on a producer choice and or a processor choice, we think there ought to be certain timelines and notices and you know common business courtesy around that. Under the second bucket of competition, we think that pricing formulas should be transparent. We think it's in the best interest of the processor and the producer that the producer understands how the processor is pricing milk. So that producer can respond in terms of quality, volume, characteristics around the milk, things like sustainability to answer the price signal that's being given in that check. And they need to understand how that check is formulated and calculated in order to be able to do that. The second would be competitive risk management. We think farmers should be able to effectively manage risk using a combination of processor-specific basis contracts and private or government-supported risk management instruments. And the third, exclusivity on volume limits. Processors should not impose exclusivity of milk sales if they're also imposing a volume limit to that producer. Um, the third bucket of the three in the contract items is equity. And we think, you know, Equity involves not equal, but equitable treatment, which recognizes the value and contribution that the milk is providing to the processor's plant and the contribution that the processor converting that milk and getting it in a form to be marketed to the consumer is recognized by the producer. We believe in good faith principles that farmers and processors should act in good faith. They're quasi-partners in the sense that the processor is a customer and the producer is a supplier, and we think that should be a healthy equitable relationship. And then contracting principles grouped, you know, we think there should be equal opportunity for all farmers. And by that, we mean if a processor has certain criteria that it believes it can monetize in the milk, given certain characteristics of that milk, be it volume, quality, location, we believe that any farmer that meets those qualifications that that processor is looking for ought to qualify for that program. And so no special deals that are prejudicial when people, two people in the same bucket meet the same criteria, they ought to be able to get the same deal. Equal treatment of processors should apply too. It goes the other way, and that should apply to all milk buyers in the U.S. So whether you're a private, whether you're large, whether you're small, whether you're cooperative, we believe the lay of the land on good faith contracting principles and on equity should be the same for all processors. Well, thank you, Mitch. It certainly does appear that the multi-state task force came up with some thorough and thoughtful uh, recommendations there. Dr. Bozik, I want to get back to you because we had talked a little bit earlier about uh, federal orders and you don't feel that they need to be eliminated or that, but let's just play devil's advocate here. Let's say the federal orders do go away. How would the proposals or edge plan that Mitch just highlighted, uh, how would that fare? Edge's proposal is the only proposal of all national groups so far. Their Farm Bureau also has a number of good principles in their resolutions, but um, Edge's proposal is the only uh, fully developed proposal at this point that would address a world like that. And, and we should also be clear, federal orders need not go away all at once in a sense that the administration is just dissolved. Anytime a processor depools, those federal orders do not exist 
for right. the for the farmer that is depooled. There mm -hmm. is nothing at that point in time anymore that would ensure fair uh, treatment of producer. And sometimes there's it there's isn't even a written contract between a producer and processor uh, in, in that would govern those situations. So depooling is an example of federal orders going away before our own eyes, uh, bit by bit, month by month, sometimes class three, sometimes class four, but we no longer have a situation where all of the milk in a certain geography uh, here in the upper Midwest is pooled. We probably never will, again, under the at least under current federal order design. EDGE's proposal it will address situations where a processor is depooled or when the federal orders go away. But it also, they work together with federal orders. There are some elements of, of our 10 principles that are just not covered, in, even under the current federal orders. Okay, thank you for that. I guess kind of building a picture in my mind of what's going on here, this is a major issue. And I'm kind of getting the point that, you know, what we've discussed so far are kind of building blocks and building this new structure. So I guess, Dr. Bozak, my next question is, you know, what are the next steps in this process and who's going to be involved? Or might I say, who has to be involved for this to happen? Well, so, so there are some national players that will naturally be uh, influential voices. International Dairy Foods Association representing dairy uh, processors and National Milk Producers Federation representing dairy manufacturers owned by dairy farmers, that is cooperatives. But then there are also groups that do not represent manufacturers, but only represent producers, producers that ship uh, either to privates or if they ship to cops, but they, they're not representing cooperative interests, but producers interests and two major groups there are American Farm Bureau Federation and Nedge Dairy Farmer Cooperative. We will need to have a national dialogue and that the ideal of a consensus is a very noble one and I hope that it can be reached. So that's why I got to give you one more follow-up question. And I know, Dr. Bozig, you did appear before that House Ag Committee. What about their role? I mean, does Congress have to be involved? Does there have to be hearings for this process to move forward? For EDGE's proposal to, to be implemented, we do need some legislative prerequisites. So the fairness in contracting would need to be a federal legislation, either in Farm Bill or in some other form. And the flexibility in federal orders is really just a sentence or two added to the enabling statute that underpins federal orders. And then all the uh, nitty-gritty details can later be figured out in a hearing. But without that extra sentence or two in the federal statute, we just, our hands are tied. Uh, even if USDA wanted to implement everything that, that EDGE has proposed, they just don't have the authority under the current federal statute. That's why the, the Farm Bill or another legislation will be needed to enable more flexibility, and then flexibility can later be adopted through a hearing process. That's the voice of Dr. Marin Bozik, a nationally recognized dairy economist. Also with us is Mitch Davis, dairy farmer and managing partner of Davis Family Dairies and a member of the Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative Boards of Directors. And he also served on a multi-state task force about today's topic here on Dairy Stream, and that is milk pricing reform. And gentlemen, I thank you for your candor, your insights, and responding to a variety of questions. Before we conclude, Mitch, I want to come back to you since, as I mentioned earlier, you've been on both sides the equation. You're a dairy farmer and a processor. So what would your advice be to both about potential reform and what's going to be going on in the future? Well, 
I wouldn't presume to give anybody advice. And I have in the past been on the processing side for most of my working career. And now the last 20 years on the production side, what I would do instead of give advice, I would encourage the stakeholders on both sides of the transaction, the stakeholders in the milk sales off farm system and the federal order system to use a lot of empathy, to listen, learn and understand what the other party is dealing with, what potential impediments and challenges are in play and to try and empathize with the other party and then come to the table with things they think can be mutually acceptable. That's what I would encourage of all the stakeholders. Excellent insights. I thank you both. And I just want to close with one additional question is Dr. Bozik, you brought this up kind of on the open. I mean, this has not only been going on for decades, but years on years. And there seems to be a little bit more optimism now, a little bit more unity, or at least a little bit more focus from a variety of groups on the topic of milk pricing reform. But if I'm listening to this as a processor, or especially as a dairy producer, why now? Why do you feel now that the unity can be found in the dairy industry and that we can get some congressional willingness to not only listen, but to act on changing uh, our milk pricing policies? I'm going to ask you, Dr. Bozik, to answer first, and then Mitch, if anything else you want to throw in, feel free. But Dr. Bozik, why is now maybe the time something finally moves us off the center? Well, if you, Mike, if you ask this question to some other stakeholders, they would say that we need to do something because make allowances have, are vastly outdated. I would mm -hmm. also point out that for the first time in our nation's history, we are exporting more milk solids than we are com consuming domestically in form of beverage milk products. Over probably 50 to 60% of all the additional skim milk that we will make in our country, just because our cows are getting better and the cow management practices are getting better, over the 50 to 60% of all that additional milk over the next decade will have to find its home overseas. So we need to position ourselves for success in markets that we have not addressed properly thus far. At the same time, our buyers both here domestically and overseas are asking more from dairy manufacturers in terms of what farm practices are being followed, how is this helping the climate, etc. That is fundamentally going to change the relationship between dairy producer and a dairy manufacturer. And as we impose more requirements on dairy farmers, we also need to give dairy farmers some new rights that we have perhaps been taking for granted so far. Uh, and that's embedded in the fairness in contracting. I believe that there is a need as well as the opportunity to reach a meaningful reform, meaningful update and reform over the next 24 months. And Mitch, from your perspective as an active dairy producer and someone that was, was involved in that task force, why do you feel more confident? Well, I agree with Dr. Bozik, and I agree with for all the reasons he said, but I would add, I think the COVID 2020 events that created the huge negative PPDs really shone a light on the federal order system. And then when we dug into that, we started to realize there were a lot of other ancillary items in and around the federal order system that really dictate we have, as stakeholders in the industry, a comprehensive discussion on order reform and whatever comes after that. Now's the time, and I think you need to take on the whole thing at once, not just piece by piece. We've tried that in the past. It doesn't work. I just think the negative PPDs created the opportunity to get this discussion started. 
some good insights and a big thank you to Mitch Davis and also Dr. Marin Bozik for all of their comments and helping create a blueprint, which at least from my perspective, seems like it's written in pencil so that we still can make some changes and add some different consensus and ideas, but certainly opens a dialogue that for the reasons they shared, hopefully will move us off of that midpoint to seeing actual positive milk pricing reform into the future. As always, I want to thank you for listening and we invite you to share your insights and comments through your own organizations or individually to help create the model that will make that difference. As always, I'm also grateful to our producer director, Joanna Guza. And as I said, I'm grateful for people like uh, Mitch and Marin for their insights and candor and comments and helping create what will make this more beneficial for all that are involved in the dairy aspect of the dairy industry. Till we talk again, I'm Mike Austin for Dairy Stream. The Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative would like to thank you for listening to Dairy Stream. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, please subscribe and rate Dairy Stream. We value your feedback. And if there's something you'd like to hear, just email us, podcast at dairyforward.com. 